everybody. Welcome to another week of the panel discussion. We uh two weeks in a row, right? Two? We're doing good. Two, three weeks in a row? Yeah. We're doing all right. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. We only kind of missed one. We have only missed one. I'm very proud of us for that it, fact. It, we've only missed one. Me and Matt. <laughs> okay. All, all right. Started at like 40 minutes on the recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> I know, brother. Um, to all our listeners at home, welcome back to uh, to another episode. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your three hosts, alongside Greg Knowlton and via phone all the way out in West Seneca. Yeah, Chris Keller, he's like him in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's all the way out in West Seneca. <laughs> West Seneca. Yeah, a little stormy out today, out here in Buffalo, so the, the travel was uh, not advised. But yes, he is here with us via phone today. Um, so, yeah, we're still the teams all together. So happy about that. Um, we got a really cool episode playing out today. Um, I can't remember whose idea it was. It was either Chris's or Greg's. Definitely wasn't I think mine. It was Chris's. I just spawned it with Archie versus Predator. <laughs> that's that's true. Okay. Um, yeah, there's been some fun crossovers the last couple of months, and it's just it's cool to do a whole episode out of it. You know, you had one with the Mozilla Gorilla and Nightwing, and then uh, Greg had Archie versus Predator, and I had Batman 66 in Archie, so we got some really fun ones. Oh, you also yeah. had the Superman Spider-Man one, too, Matt, which was really cool. I did. You know what I was thinking? Like, if I would have known we were going to do this, that would have been the ideal book to uh, to hold off and, and wait for this, but um, there have been a lot of crossovers. I have some really cool ones today, and there's so many more. Um, one that I was actually very interested in, but... Uh, <laughs> I did not get a chance to uh, to I couldn't find it, which it was uh, Jimmy Olsen and Don Riggles. Oh, Rickles. Yeah, it was a crossover like the the late fifties, I think it was, and I was like, this looks amazing. That sounds. Amazing. I'll give some honorable mentions of things that I wanted to cover. but just I couldn't find the comics. I wanted to cover Charles Berkeley versus Godzilla. Unfortunately, I know, I know. Unfortunately, so I couldn't good. find that one. Also, Superman meets the Quick Bunny. I, I saw that one that as well. One. And uh, and then also there was a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, the Avengers on Late Night with David Letterman and uh, Spider-Man meets the SNL cast. I oh. couldn't find any of those four. I was very That's upset. Really good. I didn't have anything crazy. I was, was in like Justice League and the Power Rangers, which I've read before, which was kind of cool. Right. But I read, and I didn't cover it for this because it would have been so boring, was Hellboy meets Batman meets, meets Starman. The first issue is Hellboy and Batman just walking around interrogating people. And then Batman's like, all right, got to go to Gotham. See ya. And then Starman comes in, and then they kill a Nazi, and that's literally the whole story. That's the whole book. Oof. The art was awesome, and that was about it. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't even waste my time with this. <laughs> I actually, I was really looking. Uh, I thought about. It. I, I thought maybe one of you guys maybe picked it up, but there was a, a Punisher M M&M and M crossover. Oh, dang it! <laughs> I almost picked that one too. I saw that. I seen it. I looked up. It was the top seventeen crossover, like weird crossovers of all time. And that was one of them. Uh, that's where I seen that Jimmy Olsen, Don Rickles book. Uh, I'm upset now. <laughs> like, it looked like the cover looked hardcore. Like, if there was the cover of, like, a, a hip-hop album, I'd be like, I want this. 
that's it, no, it, it looks it super looks, badass. It does. Oh. I can't even imagine. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we'll get into it today with our crossover books. Um, I'll start off. I'll start off. Let me just get this. I don't know where my pen went. Craig, are you sitting on it? Wait, I can't tell anymore. <laughs> oh no. I don't think I am. Okay, it's gone. I had it. Does the dog have it? <laughs> Honestly, probably. It <laughs> might be what happened. It actually makes complete and utter sense, too. But okay, here. That's why I have the good old handy-dandy iPhone note. Um, so for our new listeners, if you never listened to our podcast before, what we do is we rate our books on five different categories. Art, action, story. Dialogue, rereadability, and we rate them on a 10, and uh, we come up with a little final score, and yeah, there's really no classification, just what we're feeling, uh, but let's get into it. Uh, my first crossover book is Star Trek and X-Men. Um, Dang it, that was another one I forgot about. It was Star <laughs> Trek and Green Lantern. Dang it. This one, was, this one came out, I, I want to say... 95 96 but it was actually the original star trek um price i can't think of their names but the, the one, one like Kirk, shatner yeah. yeah um so it wasn't like john luke picard or any of them so it, it was not next generation no no you. this was the original it had spock in it uh scotty beam me up and and all that fun stuff i'm not very familiar with star trek lore not as much as star wars but I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Plus, it was like that mid-90s X-Men that I loved so much. And uh, a really cool cover, actually. If I actually found this book, I would I would pick it up solely on the cover, uh, which is, is it's pretty cover. intense. Really good artwork. Uh, but Real it starts, quick about uh, Star Trek. Yeah, go um, ahead. Just make, just make sure that you have to Google or YouTube the Wizard Man fight <laughs> from that 60s Star Trek. It is the worst action fight ever. AKA the greatest action fight ever. Like it was on TV and people thought it was cool at the time. And it is just so bad. It is horrible by today's standards. I love it. But listeners at home, if you've never witnessed this, you have to, it is, it's yeah. It's like Gullah said, it's so bad. It's good. Uh, It's it's like, it's like wrestling shows (laughs) in the independent (laughs) level. That are not named ESW. <laughs> Anyways, inside joke there. Uh, we start off with the start. Uh, time out. Uh, we, we start off with the Star Trek Enterprise uh, crew flying around space when all of a sudden uh, they are stopped by Marvel's The Gladiator, um, which I thought was he was super <laughs> random. Super random. And they're having a conversation, and all of a sudden, the Gladiator punches the Starship Enterprise because he's just gigantic. He just punches it for no reason because um, he's trying to claim this territory, or I don't, I don't know. So there's some kind of like universe. Well, obviously it's a crossover, but intermingling, and um, yeah, he punch he just punches the Starship Enterprise, and. Uh, not too long after that, we see a clip of Wolverine who's in the uh, playing around in the ventilation shaft. He's he's crawling around. He has this. He comes out and he you know just scouting the the Enterprise and he bumps into the other X Men and the X Men squad at this time are Cyclops, Beast, uh, Phoenix, 
Storm, Gambit, Bishop, and obviously Wolverine. Uh, but they're yeah, they're discussing Gambit's pretty banged up. They're just passing through, and uh, she uh, Phoenix uses her uh, telepathic powers to reach into the ship and trying to find you know somebody something um and, and the next one the, the the person who detects it is spock um i think that's one of his abilities i think he's very sensitive towards yeah. things like that uh, i'm not 100 percent sure um but yes he he leaves the the uh the bridge of the ship and to go and find him and uh which one is this one of the guy, another uh Star Trek guy, he bumps into he's a doctor. Um oh, I I feel so bad that I don't know his name. Doctor McCoy. Yes. Bones. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um he finds him and he's like, Oh my god, are you guys are okay. He pulls in Gambit with who's with Storm and Beast and uh goes to pull, you know, take care of him. Um, and then we have Cyclops, Phoenix, Wolverine, and Bishop walking around, and they bump into Spock, who has a gun on him, and you know, saying just pretty much surrender, guys. What are you doing here? As usual, Wolverine uh, jumps the gun, <laughs> runs to attack Spock, and in this instant, Spock hits the uh, the patented Vulcan nerve pinch and wolverine is just out cold <laughs> it was the funniest thing that's incredible like at first glance it looks like spock just like one pieced him on the side and knocked him right out he's just on the ground just out but no he got <laughs> he got that um he eventually wakes up and it's kind of cool wolverine has his bone claws in here i don't know what why that is Ooh. but uh they all start the Enterprise crew meets the X-Men. They talk about this mission and how they're dealing with, uh, is it Deathbird? She's part of the Shi'ar. Um, oh, you're trying to fight Deathbird, yes. Um, she's kind of the villain in this. And, you know, the, the Star Trek Enterprise crew and X-Men realize that they're after the same person. And they go down to on this planet where a character, a person named uh, Proteus, which is actually kind of cool. Um, according to, um, oh my God, William Shatner's character, I forget. Captain Kirk. Cap- yes, Captain Kirk. He was, I'm sorry. Um, Got you. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. Um, he was good friends with this Proteus guy who he knows as Gary. Um, and he actually killed him on this planet and buried him because of some supernatural power. But Proteus, and I re- I pop for this because I read a story about Proteus um, when from X Force. It was an early '90s, like '91 magazine or a comic book when where the original X Men team went off and formed their own squad. And Proteus was a it was a, a child of Moira Mattaggart, which is like really weird. It was kind of a crazy crossover. Um, but they have this huge battle, and uh, there's a funny line where Captain Kirk and, and Cyclops go, you know, they both say that his name, and they go, well, friend of yours? They both say that at the same time. 
Um, but they get to a big fight. It's it's uh, it's pretty cool. It ends with Proteus defeated uh, finally, and uh, Deathbird they they capture and and take her away, and that's pretty much the end of that. Um, it was a it was a relatively fast read. It was it was kind of cool, and I'll get right into the scoring with it. Pull up my notes. So for artwork, loved the cover, loved the uh, yeah, just that mid '90s style. The cover and and all the panels were really really good, really really well done. Um, I'm going to give the artwork. It was very clean. I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. Um, action. It was kind of minimal. Uh, I really popped for that Vulcan uh, nerve pinch on Wolverine, and then there the, some of the fighting scenes with. Proteus were actually really, really cool. Um, but there was it was more story driven, more dialogue driven. I'm going to give the action I'm gonna give the action a six out of ten. Excuse me. The story was cool. I, I thought it was it was pretty neat how well at the X-Men and and Star Trek really they made it blend and seem so natural, which I think is really important in any crossover. Um, comic book that we read. Uh, I'm going to give the story a 7 out of 10. Dialogue. Uh, there's a lot with Spock. And, you know, we all, I mean, I know enough about Spock to know that, you know, he just, he speaks, he uses big words and a little bit above my Niagara Falls high school education. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there was the dialogue did help drive the story. I did appreciate it very much. Uh, I'm going to give the dialogue a seven out of 10 and rereadability. I would absolutely pick this book up again. Like I said, I want to buy it and it's uh, a phys- I want to have a, find a physical copy of it. Uh, I'm not sure how much it's worth on Amazon. I'd probably look that up uh, in a little bit, but I'm going to give rereadability an eight out of 10. Giving a final score of 15, 22, 29, 37. Um, it's not horrible. Not horrible. It's about a little bit better than average. Um, so that was Star Trek X-Men crossover. It happened in 1995 or 1996. That's my first book. Um, who wants to go next? Okay. Uh, oh. Yeah, Greg, you go. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to go. I did. This is actually fairly new. This is from um, 2018. This is. I'm trying to think what month this one's from. I can't remember. It's issue number three. This is uh, Injustice versus Masters of the Universe. So, Ooh. if you don't know Injustice, um, you might know the video game series, the DC video game series. They actually did a whole comic book off that world. This is actually they did like two or three volumes of it. Um, but essentially, what happened in that world was. excuse me uh joker made superman go crazy and actually sure and actually caused the uh got superman to kill pregnant lois lane um and then superman went and killed the joker and kind of went nuts and the world kind of just turned on its head villains and heroes were working together superman is the main villain that kind of took over the world um so that is the world they are in this is so the, the Justice League of this world teaming up with He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Um, this is issue number three. So it starts with Superman and Wonder Woman inside the Black Oracle, which is this like statue he built to Lois Lane holding the world. And the world is actually the Daily Planet logo. 
um, which is kind of cool. And they're just talking about like how um, Superman's just saying like, it's exhausting that they're still fighting me when they don't realize that I'm like trying to do good things for them. I'm trying to like fix them and help them, but they just think I'm evil. Um, they don't understand blah, blah, blah. That's not exactly the dialogue. That's my, my sum. But then his, um, his new advisor stumbles out and it is Skeletor. And he's kind of more like old and sickly looking. <laughs> Matt was sitting on his pen apparently. Um, and Skeletor like informs Superman of this. Uh, the resistance is about to do something to kind of like try to, they're using magic that to try to take him down. Um, there's a, small back and forth between Skeletor and Wonder Woman and Superman actually flies off saying he's going to handle it. It cuts over to Bloodhaven where we get um, the Justice League team that's about to go and fight. It is Zatanna, Red Hood, Black Canary, Green Arrow, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, then Tila, Batman, and He-Man. And He-Man and Tila actually beat um, Vipe. No, Copperhead. They beat Copperhead and Bane. And actually, like, uh, He-Man is wearing Bane's suit minus the mask. And it's made out of something called Cryptech that Superman was using to, like, control superheroes. Um, But since he doesn't have their, like, genetic uh, fingerprint, he can't control them. So they can actually use the suits to their advantage um, and allow them to sneak in. And Orko is also there with a suit. (laughs) Orko is, like, flying through and he's like... I love this universe. In this universe, I'm a badass. <laughs> He's just <laughs> flying around. <laughs> um, there's this really cool scene where Batman is talking to um, Adam, aka He-Man, saying, like, I didn't like you at first. You're a prince. You seem spoiled. You seem too young. And it's because you were a lot like me. And Batman removes his mask, and he's actually Damian Wayne, not Bruce, not Bruce Wayne, and talking about how um, – like he messed up and he's trying to redeem himself. He killed his best friend. And he's trying to make his father proud. And he's actually wearing the Batman cowl now. And it cuts over to man at arms with cyborg uh, and the rest of the masters of the universe, um, getting the queen of Eternia to work with them. And as this is all happening, there's like this weird scene where uh, Starfire saying, Oh, I might stick in Eternia blah, 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 if I can find someone to, like, couple up with. And, like, all the guys basically raise their hands. Um, And then one of the masters falls to the ground as Steppenwolf steps out with um, his army from Eternia. And a huge fight starts, and Starfire, like, leads the masters of the universe in the battle. And then it cuts back over to a little bit of talking between He-Man and Tila. Um, A giant worm attacks them, and as it happens... He-Man like screams his classic I have the power line as he does the cryptic suit actually like forms a set of armor and then the suicide squad steps out to face him and it is Lobo, Deathstroke, Killer Frost, Cheetah, Solomon Grundy and Grodd as the rest of the Justice League shows up and starts fighting um, for whatever reason Red Hood thinks Orko's Batmite <laughs> Steppenwolf is fighting with like Swamp Thing and I can't remember this master, but uh, he's similar. He's basically the the equivalent to Swamp Thing um, and Darkseid joins the fight to help Steppenwolf with even more of the villains. Um, the fight continues and it cuts over to 
He-Man's just like rocking the Suicide Squad. Like he kicks Lobo in the face, blows Cheetah away, like knocks out Grundy, knocks out Grodd, takes out Deathstroke um, as Lobo is about to jump on him. And Black Canary actually like screams so loud, Lobo's eyes like burst into blood. Whoa. Kind of (laughs) nuts. Um, And like they start to get the upper hand. Uh, they all break in and they actually find the real Bruce Wayne who's being like mind controlled by Batman um, or by Batman, by Superman. (laughs) And they go to free him. And as they do, Skeletor is talking about like, oh, you think you killed me? Blah, blah, blah. Well, you're the one that's truly going to fall to a master of the universe. And as that happens, Superman shoots his laser beams at He-Man and that's where the issue ends. Holy shit. It's a cool comic. I had a lot of fun reading it. I was... I've been meaning to check this out. Um, I'm glad I finally had an excuse to. So I think it's it's actually not even finished yet. I think it's on issue five this week. Okay. It's six issues long. So this hasn't even wrapped up. Um, I'm going to jump in. Sure. Now they get my pen from now, out of my butt, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. There it goes. All right. Art action. Story. I hope that's ink. Me too. <laughs> Me too. All right, go ahead, my friend. Art. It's got this weird art style where um, it's almost drawing it like you would read, like a, like expect like a fantasy comic book to look, um, but it still has this superhero style to it. I'm gonna give the art a seven. I like it. It looks weird sometimes, but I'm still a fan of it. Um, action. Oh, there's so much action. The action's awesome. Just seeing He-Man like go toe to toe with that that specific version of the Suicide Squad and and Dark Side fighting and Steppenwolf versus Swamp Thing. Like, there's a ton of stuff going on in this issue. I'm gonna give the action a ten. Okay. Story. My story. This is a cool story. This is they're doing. They do a really good job, and it's hard to pick it up specifically in the middle. They still do a pretty good job of kind of giving you an idea of what's going on. Um, I did read the first two issues as well, but this is just a really creative way to to mix these two together. And I like that it's like an all out war and it's not like, oh, they're going to team up. And I know that kind of leads to that, but it, it's, I really, I'm really enjoying, um, I really enjoy the story. So I'm going to give the story an eight. Okay. Dialogue is super well done. Um, it feels very true to both sets of characters as well as I just really like that lo- that um, back and forth between Damian Wayne and, and He-Man. I'm going to give the dialogue a seven. Okay. And rereadability. I actually, just on the fact of like growing up with the Justice League and the Masters of the Universe cartoon, I would reread this just for nostalgia's sake, let alone like such a really cool story. Um I'm going to give the rereadability a 10. This was a, a fun pickup. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. I was kind of expecting it to be a little cheesy, to be honest. Um, but then again, it is injustice, so it gets dark. This was cool. I I really liked this. So, yeah, re- rereadability of 10. All right. Final score, 42 out of 50. Ooh, so awesome. Chris, you are up, buddy. All right. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, sound great. All right, perfect, cool. Then I can stay on speaker and read my comic. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you actually sound better uh, than you did yeah. before, so. Awesome, cool. So I actually 
read I, – I have two books, a very serious book and a very funny book. We'll start with serious. Um, I read RoboCop vs. Terminator. And when you hear that right off the bat, you think that's sweet, right? Guess mm-hmm. what's even cooler? Written by Frank Miller, art oh. by Walter Stockinson. Wow, oh, my lord. Yeah, it was a Dark Horse release in 1992. Um, and honestly, that's the highlight. I mean, both these movies were like killing it around that time period. Yeah. So, uh, really cool book. I'll get right into it. Um, you're in the future. There's explosions, a lot of poo. There's like pooms. And here's one that I've never seen, like Braca, Braca. <laughs> and like poom, poom, and crunch, and cryumch. And like all these crazy like in your face like uh sound bubbles and you see like uh there's these robots are fighting these human rebels and you see this woman uh, and there's about like three or four screens of this, and you see this woman and she's connected to this like device around her brain with like all these wires going through like almost like brainiac does you know what i'm saying okay and she's like she's connected and what she's trying to do is she's trying to hack into skynet to find out how she can go back in time and stop the Terminators from taking over the world. And she finds out that the, the idea of a Terminator came from, from Alex Murphy, RoboCop, seeing that he was half human, half robot. And then they realized, well, we can use that into making Terminators, you know, into making full robot people with like a human, like conscious. So cool. He does this crazy explosion in the lab when a Terminator's trying to kill her, and it's just a lot of, like, boom, boom, junk, which was a weird sound bubble. And then can they we, have this, Can we have a new category story. that's just grading it based on its sound effects? It's, it, it, I, it's insane. Like, boom. Like, what is boom? What is Braca? Like, other than, like, a Mortal Kombat character. Like, um, he, I think he was a president. Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so, I thought you said this was uh, the serious one. It's this weird scene of now she's like go she's gonna she's had this explosion, she's going back in time. But there's and I thought it was eyeballs when I first read it, and it's just her like hunched up naked and like she has a weird like almost bald spot on her head. <laughs> very weird artwork. But very Walter Simonson like dark horse we like not of the times like this was not a typical marvel dc 1992 artwork yeah um and uh so here she is naked in detroit in 2029 and see these like detroit because detroit's like basically a crime place and these people are trying to fight her and she's like beating people up naked in, in detroit she gets into a cab and finds like a, a jacket and she finds alex murphy's house who is robocop and she sees a guy, a woman talking to John Connor, which I found interesting. And it's Alex Murphy's wife, and she's talking to John Connor, and he's telling her how, like, Alex will get through this, this and that, because she's worried she'll never have her husband back because he's basically half robot, half human. Hmm. So, yeah, so now, you know, this, she, this human rebel, she's spying, and she gets attacked by... Uh, you know the flying uh, robo robo robotic uh, monitors from from RoboCop movie. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. the whole, you know those. I don't. I forgot their name. And of course, more sound effects of 
Braca, Braca, Braca. And the giant zap. I feel like Frank Miller was like, okay, let's see if I can be successful with everything I do. <laughs> let's make up noise. Uh, there's even a noise size sign called Wonk, <laughs> where like some girl that works at the Detroit department, the next scene is that some girl's working at Detroit. She thinks it's like her partner, and it's this human rebel. By the way, they never name her. She hits this this girl. The sound effect is Wonk. The sound effect is Wonk. Um, <laughs> And then you you flash to a scene where RoboCop is like defeating some guys that like kidnapped a woman, um, and just kind of showing off RoboCop's skills. His sound effects is blam for every time he kills somebody with his kill shot. Yeah. Um, and there's cool like little like blood splatter too, which I found was really cool. Um, the girl thanks him for saving him. And then hold on one second here, I, uh, it flipped up on me. So oh. now. Now you flash forward to this casino, and there's this like crazy guy who has, who has a bomb strapped to him, and RoboCop shows up, and it's so weird. I just feel like it was showcasing RoboCop's skills, showing him just stop all these crimes. He stops this like fat lunatic who looks kind of like George Costanza, uh, meets Ron Howard, <laughs> um, and he stops him for trying to blow up the whole casino. And then we flash, and then it's another scene here, if it lets me go forward here. Let's see here. Okay. So then now, actually, there's sound effects there. He actually tosses the guy through the city. <laughs> and the sound effect is, ah. <laughs> it, it's fantastic. So then you see him, like, going into the, going into the, the police car, and he's he's like, you know, the woman who he saved touched him, and he's like, oh, that felt good. And he, he's kind of realizing that he's also a human, you know? So then the human rebel attacks him out of nowhere with the sound effect clang. Which <laughs> is, yeah. was the, like I said, oh, there was this Zach, too. This is Zach. That was a weird one. So while this is happening, we flash back. We're not flash forward. We go forward to the Terminator universe where three Terminators are being sent in the future to stop her from killing RoboCop or stop. I mean, not future the past in Detroit to stop her for this is very confusing <laughs> to stop her from killing RoboCop. So then they show up at a Detroit piston game. <laughs> like just in the middle of the court and people are like, what the hell? Yes, you do. Yeah. Yes, they, they show up there and, uh, then we flash forward back to the more the the fight uh, between the human Rafas, where we just go to a, a more scenes, uh, more panels of RoboCop fighting the human rebel, and he shoots her down, and she's like, "You scum!" Like this and that. But then he re he like actually tries to console her and says, "Listen, are you okay?" So even though he shot her, he like cares for her well being, and she doesn't expect that because she expects all human or all robots, you know, to to be terrible. So now we set up, and, and uh, this was the first issue. Uh, the other three issues played out. Basically, these Terminators show up. They want to save RoboCop, but RoboCop really realizes how evil Skynet is and that he actually helped create Skynet and helps the human rebel kind of take that down and Skynet down. So wow. very cool concept for a comic book. Yeah. Two really cool nineteen er, late 80s, early 90s like uh, action franchises. So. Yeah. That is, that's um, impressive. I think that wasn't there a video game. 
There may have been. I know it was, like, of all these crossovers, some are just like, well, they were weird. Like, this had a lot of reviews. And, and then I didn't even notice who read it until – who wrote it until I actually started reading them. Like, oh, Frank Miller in 92 in his prime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so – I mean, this is, yeah, so, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And Walter Simonson, obviously, is world-renowned as well. So, uh, I'll get right into the scoring. Sure. Um, we're starting with artwork, right? Yep. Yeah. Ar- artwork, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I just want to make sure. <laughs> oh, you're good. Yeah, um, really cool. Uh, just that for, for being 92, sometimes the it, it's, the artwork we read from like those early nineties kind of hang on to what the old sixties and seventies comics were. It, it was really a big transition period for comics, but this is really cool. And this almost has like that modern flair that came out of the early two thousands comics. I thought, and like I said, the artist shows you who um, I, I'm going to give this a 10. This was sweet. Very good. This artwork was, this artwork was really cool. Um, the action uh, you start off with an explosion in the future and fights fighting in the future, and then you go to and, and then you go to Detroit and and the the naked human rebel is fighting these these uh, De- Detroit citizens, and then RoboCop just stopping crimes, and then RoboCop fights the rebel like really cool. So I would give I'm going to give the action a ten too. Really sweet. Oh wow, very good. Yeah, um, the story. uh, storytelling. Pretty cool story. Little confusing with some of the some of the dialogue. The sound bubbles were pretty awesome, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I kind of got I got the story, but like you don't get it a lot in the first issue. I got it as I like read on about the fu- future issues. So I-, I would give the story a seven because it didn't tell, it didn't lay the whole groundwork right away. Gotcha. Uh, dialogue. Um, some of the Skynet science. Mumbo jumbo stuff was a little over my head, <laughs> but uh, but the the sound the sounds the sound bubbles and <laughs> it, it was just really cool. So I, I'll give I'll give it an eight. Okay. And then rereadability. This is very cool. It made me want to read the future issues, which really then did lay out the story. And I would honestly, for being anybody, uh, anybody that grew up in that era and loved those movies, this is a must, a pickup. So this is a really good book, guys. I'd give that a 10. Very cool. good. Uh, 45 out of 50 wow. for that book. So that's an awesome score. Um, and, yes, we did confirm. Me, well, uh, I did mention it. Me and Greg both looked up. There was a RoboCop versus the Terminator video game for Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. And Game Boy, I have to get and that. Game Boy too. I might have it on that Raspberry Pi thing I have. Ooh. I think it's on there. I'm gonna have to play it. Yeah, it's based on the comics loosely, is what I read. Oh, really? Yep. That's crazy. Now it makes sense. Like it, it seems like the, an ideal crossover. Like a, just a cool random throw together for a video game. But the fact that it's based on a com, loosely based on a comic book, that's awesome. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah. All right. I mean, Dark Horse, they they do great work, and and that's the one thing where like Dark Horse and Image and IDW, like they can pick up these cool iconic movie franchises that aren't Marvel or DC and make pretty sweet comics out. IDW does a great job of that. Dark Horse does a great job at doing weird stuff with like super unique art styles. That was the the coolest thing to me about that uh 
that Hellboy book that I like briefly looked at was seeing Batman in the Hellboy art style because he did honestly look super cool and super weird. Same thing with Joker. Um, but Dark Horse just has this different style to them. So when they bring these like comic book movies to life, they or just any like sorry, not comic movies. When they bring these other franchises to life, they do it in such a way that feels like so different and cool, in my opinion. Not without a doubt. Yeah, yeah no, it's their own different style. Very cool. So yeah, must a must pick up. Very good. This one I uh which we're moving out of our new books. Um well, there's not really a new and old. Well, technically, yeah, that is true. That is true. This is very not new. Even though new. I did read a new book. This is very not new. Um, this one I got last minute. I, I I pondered a couple different books. I know Chris suggested one, and I, I tried, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't have enough time to finish this. But um, I did. I, I was like, okay, what what's one of the most famous crossover books of all time? And I was like, holy shit. Muhammad Ali versus Superman, one of the most, I, or, well, it's the other way around, written. Um, but it is one of the most iconic comic book covers of all time. And yes, like I said, a very popular, you know, shocking story, period. Uh, very highly sought out. I, I'm sure, I think one in mint condition is worth quite a bit of money. Um, that's how insane this book was for its time period um i'm not 100 oh 1978 um 1978 the book came out so uh it starts off where uh clark kent lois and uh jimmy olsen are walking through the streets and they look over and see that muhammad ali is playing basketball on a court with a bunch of kids and he's dunking all over them uh, they want to walk over to get an interview f- with them because he has a, a fight coming up. And uh, out of nowhere, an alien just <laughs> just appears on the basketball court, shoves Lois on the ground. Muhammad Ali steps up to him, you know, saying you owe him an apology. And then the alien backhands Muhammad Ali. And then Muhammad Ali returns with a nice, uh, nice jab to the abdomen. And uh, Clark Kent's like, okay, maybe Muhammad Ali, you know, Relax. Let me go find. Uh, let me go talk to the proper authorities. So he goes and rips off his clothes and comes back as Superman. And uh, Superman goes and flies into space and he sees that there's a bunch of alien ships hovering around Earth. And this is this alien is is part of it. Um, the alien proposes that uh, a boxing champion from Earth faces their their races uh champion their alien races champion which uh you know it was a big challenge and if earth lost <laughs> they would lose all of uh they would lose control this alien planet would take over earth um so what they did was well, superman came in and then they agreed upon a a fight. It's got. There was a preliminary round where Superman would box Muhammad Ali, and the winner would go on to face this alien planet's champion. So they're going. They're they're talking. They're talking, and then they start do, going into training. Like it's a big announcement. Like everybody in the world knows this is happening, and it's going to be on TV. Like it's going to be broadcast from space, but on everybody's TVs. And <laughs> it's so over the top and zany. 
I love it. But they're, they're talking. It's funny because Muhammad Ali's training Superman, showing him how to teaching him how to box, and he's calling him slow and <laughs> stuff like that. It's it's really good because I actually it captured Muhammad Ali's like you know his talking style, like uh, his promos, pretty much. Yeah. Um, if you think about it in wrestling terms, but his interviews were so over the top and confident um, to some, maybe a little cocky, but they capture that essence in this book, which I really did appreciate. Um, but they're sparring and <laughs> I'm going to leave drop Superman with a punch. Um, and he's teaching them all these moves and, and whatnot. And then here it comes. There's, they only had a few hours to train and uh, here they are the big prelim round and they're going to box. Um, they're going to fight each other. And the winner, their champion from the alien place, his name is Hunya. Um, so, yeah, he's a big, strong dude. And he shows off his strength. He punches a hole in the spaceship. And Muhammad Ali just yawns. He goes, is that is that really all you got? And Superman's like, are you serious? Like, it was kind of weird seeing Superman kind of like, you know, scared, intimidated. And then funny at the same time to see Muhammad Ali. So like, whatever. And he goes, dude, it's just a shtick. <laughs> you know, he's explaining to Superman, you know, the, the the acting unimpressed is, you know, part of the psych out. But uh, here we are. The world is the universe is watching galaxies. You know, people from light years away are watching it and they go in the box and Muhammad Ali whips up Superman pretty good. Puts him down for the count, and then Superman has to go out into a medical bay uh, to be examined. And Muhammad Ali follows. He, he feels kind of bad. Um, it's eventually really revealed that it was all a ploy um, for Superman to stop the ships, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, so here we go. Muhammad Ali's about to box this Hanya, and uh, sounds like a cool Street Fighter character. It does. <laughs> And, uh, yep, they're fighting. Uh, this Hanya guy is beating the crap out of Muhammad Ali. He's not backing down. Um, Muhammad Ali just take, he's taking shot after shot after shot. Jimmy Olsen's on commentary calling the whole thing. And he goes, Oh, you know, he's like, you know, the earth is in big, big trouble. Um, there's a guy walking, walking around beating up these aliens. He has a mask on. And he eventually pulls off his mask and it's revealed to be Superman. That's part of the ploy. And what he's doing is trying to stop the ships from uh, taking over, pretty much doing any damage to the Earth. Um, you know, if if they intend to blow it up or whatever they're trying to do, they're trying to. He's trying to stop it. So uh, Muhammad Ali, he gets, uh, you know, he started to bounce back a little bit. He battles back and he eventually knocks out. Uh, Hunya, and this alien leader said, "No, no, you're, this isn't how it's gonna go. We're still gonna destroy the Earth, anyways." Um, so he was obviously not very honorable. And uh, Superman blows up a bunch of ships. Or actually, no, excuse me. Before that, the alien leader is about to go through with it, and that Hunya actually attacks the alien leader. Um, let me see what his name was. Some play they said it, or I can't find it off the uh, top of my head. Anyways, yeah, Hanya he attacks the 
He attacks the alien leader, um, says, calls him a coward, says he dishonored their race. And the whole thing was brought about because this leaders made it sound like earth, uh, people of earth were dishonorable and, and whatnot. So this Hanya guy, he, or alien eventually helps him out. Uh, him, Muhammad Ali and Superman all shake hands. And that's pretty much the conclusion of it. And at the end, uh, there's a really cool scene. It's Muhammad Ali and Superman shaking hands. And Muhammad Ali goes, Superman, we are the greatest. And uh, that's that was the end of the book. It was really cool. I, want, I would love to find this uh, physical copy of this. But I could see why this book was so monumental back in, what did I say, 1978? Um, this is unbelievable. Just such a, I mean, it was a decent-sized story, too. And it just felt, yeah. It wasn't overly, like, I was expecting, again, something, like, super cheesy, but it's more, it was cheesy. but It, it was a little in cheesy. A, yeah. In a superhero sense, not in, like, a let's try to fit this in the superhero world. But like it, it for the seventies, early eighties, like that's, it felt natural. Yeah, it did. It felt very natural. Uh, I'm going to get in the artwork. Uh, this is definitely that late seventies stuff that we've covered very often. Um, nothing fancy. I mean, the cover is iconic and that's going to help my score for this as well as that little last panel uh, where they're shaking hands and says, you know, we are the greatest. Um, I mean, just, you just like looking at history. Like I'm looking at the cover right now and it's just like, it's like staring down history. It's, it's so cool. Um, I'm going to give the comic book cover a nine. Uh, well, excuse me, the artwork a nine, at least the comic book cover really helping its cause. Um, action, a lot of action and, yeah, there was there was plenty of action to go around. Muhammad Ali and between him and Superman and and uh, Hanya and and everything else, there was plenty of action to go around. I'm gonna give the action a nine. Story, unbelievable. Um, like you said, like we said, cheesy but natural feeling. Um, it definitely fits its era. You know, if if this was pulled off in today's comic book world, uh, it would not come off as good. I don't think so, yeah. It it just it just wouldn't. Who um, would it be? Connor McGregor and Wolverine? <laughs> Punisher and Eminem. <laughs> yeah. Um no, it was uh like I said, it was really well done. It was a fun story through and through. And um you know, it just had a, a really good ending at the end. I'm gonna give the story a ten. Dialogue. So much of it, like I mentioned while reviewing it, you know. They capture the essence of Muhammad Ali and his confidence. And, you know, that that's that goes a long way. It's important to make you feel like you're actually reading the character, um, which, you know, I, I've, I've read some books where the, a, a character, a celebrity is in it. And he just I'm like, eh, they wouldn't say that. It just, you know, it doesn't come off good all the time. This came off really well. Um yeah, just so much dialogue to it. Uh, very well done. I'm going to give the dialogue a nine. And rereadability, would I pick this book up again? Absolutely. I'm going to give rereadability a 10. Uh, I definitely want the physical copy of it if I can ever find it for a affordable price. Um, so 46. 46 is their score. Um, 
Wait, that don't sound right. Hold on. One more try. One more Niagara Falls math here. Plus 47, excuse me, 47 out of 50 for Superman versus Muhammad Ali, 1978. Greg, you are up. This is one I've been meaning to do for a while, and then when we did this crossover thing, I totally forgot about it. I was like, man, I really want to do a different book. I don't know what to do. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I can cover this book, including my favorite character of all time. So I did Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness, issue five of five, from September 2007. <laughs> uh, this is the climax of the story, so it is a little confusing, but I I, I, do, I love this book. I do. <laughs> um, so it starts, uh, it kind of gives you like a, Actually, it does a good. It does a previously like and tells you kind of what's happened so far and um, how he's been transported to this world where there are all the superheroes are zombies, but they're sentient. They're not like mindless, right? Um, and robots and anything kind of has the zombie esque virus. And he's teamed up with Scarlet Witch and Dazzler, as well as Doctor Doom. Um, and it starts with what Ash sees. And it's Enchantress, like, very sexualized, telling, like, come love me. And then what it really says, and it's Enchantress as a zombie saying, feed me. Oh, no. And Ash just sitting there go, okay, anything you say. And Dazzler tackles him and then uh, tells her what's going on and actually uses her lights to cancel out her abilities. She points at the Enchantress and basically says, like, don't you see what she really is? And Enchantress bites Dazzler's finger off. <gasps> and there's just like blood shooting out. And like, there's actually that <gasps> it's Ash and Scarlet Witch staring on. Like, it's that whole panel. And then all of a sudden, and Gullo, you'll like this. Scrawl is the sound effect. <laughs> as Dr. Doom. <laughs> That's a good one, too. As Dr. Doom vaporizes the Enchantress and Dazzler, just, just oh. literally. Burns them both alive. Um, and Ash starts yelling. I'm actually, an Ash, it's kind of funny because Ash is in Dr. Doom's armor. Like he replaced his hand with one of Dr. Doom's gauntlets and they're both wearing Doom armor. <laughs> um, and they get in a little bit of an argument. Uh, Scarlet Witch steps in the way of Doom to protect to protect Ash as Ash is about to fight. And she's saying like, no more killing. We've got to work together. Um, and you find out Doom actually has like is protecting all of the Latvian refugees. Like he's actually keeping people safe. Right. So he's like kind of playing this middle ground um, anti-hero in a way. And they say like, remember those people you backed off? Well, they're back. And there was just an army of Marvel zombies. You've got Wasp, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Falcon, Thing, Iron Man, Cyclops, like Angel, just tons of them. Captain America leading the charge. Thor, Luke Cage. I could keep going. It's almost like every hero. Um, and they you, you see them all lined up outside of Laveria as they scream attack and they all charge the Hulk, Thor, all of them, um, Beast. And they start Wonder Man even. Jeez, I didn't catch that the first time. Um, they start fighting and they say how like, well, there's only so many humans left. This is Beast that says this. <clears throat> so we just reprogrammed cerebro to lock on to non-infected humans and doom is like oh darn you and, and xavier and he goes oh it wasn't xavier and zombie mr fantastic wraps up 
Dr. Doom and starts fighting him. Um, Ash tells like, Hey, Scarlet Witch, let's bounce. And then he looks over and Frank Castle is eating Scarlet Witch. (gasps) Well, talking to Ash, which is so Evil Dead, like it's so good. But he's like, "Oh, remember me, smart guy?" As he's biting Scarlet Witch in the back, and then um, she tells him to get away. He just turns around and he goes, "Oh, I know what I can do." As he runs away, he's like, "But first, costume changes." And he switches back into his normal clothes with the guy <laughs> and starts. The Necronomicon actually talks, and he's actually talking to the ne- Necronomicon, um, coming up with this plan. Saying basically, like, I know what we can do. Like, I have, I have an idea. Um, if you don't, these are these aren't just regular zombies. Like, they can eat you and turn you into something more than you are too. Like, I've watched robots change, and the Necronomicon agrees to help. And you get a panel which you'll appreciate, Gullo, of Zombie Moon Knight, and oh. there's this line talking about, it, and so it was prophecy. Not the not the same dead that has already arised, but a new dead, an angry dead, the evil dead, a deadite legion, an army of darkness rises, and all of these like the zombies of everyone that the Marvel characters kill starts rising up and attacking like Moon Knight and Wolverine. So it's zombie on zombie violence. Oh my lord! Uh, as all of this is happening, like there's you just see like them fighting and they're overcoming them because of their superpowers. Iceman's like freezing the other zombies and Cyclops is blowing their heads off. Um, Electro <laughs> is zapping one to death and Ash is running as Doom is actually launching up his last ditch effort of his um, transdimensional teleporter to get all of the refugees out of there. He basically like tells him like, get out of here, just go. Um, thank you for helping me. Like I should kill you, but you helped me get my revenge and, and save these people. So just go. Um, Ash leaves and he actually throws the Necronomicon. <laughs> I love this line. <laughs> he throws the Necronomicon going like, you really think I'm going to save you? Get out of here. And thing Wolverine and Hulk surround the Necronomicon. Um, they basically, they kill doom. And they're, they're saying like, Oh, we're not going to eat you book. Like, you're a book. What would we do? And he throws it and he goes, Zombie Hulk eat lots. And Zombie Hulk needs lots of toilet paper. He holds up the Necronomicon and screams no. Oh, my God. Oh. And then it cuts back to Ash. And Ash is, like, poking his head into different dimensions. Finally, um, it's, like, too alien, too Mesozoic, too post-apocalyptic, eh, too smelly. <laughs> it keeps bouncing and it's like dinosaurs and all sorts of stuff. Finally, he lands in New York um, and he talks about like, Oh, finally I'm in sweet New York city. I'm home. No more, uh, no more surprises or zombies. As he says this, he looks up and there's a sniff as where Wolverine, werewolf, Spider-Man, werewolf, Hulk, werewolf, Captain America, black widow, giant man and Luke Cage start chasing him down and saying oh, it's feeding awesome. time boys and that's where it ends oh. <laughs> I love this book <laughs> that is really good and that was, was only that was issue 5 of 5 there's four more issues before it and it's a ton of fun I read this on break while I was working at Applebee's one day I think they had like the whole volume of it at a Barnes and Noble <laughs> and that's where I would go on break to, I would sit and read the comp like the graphic novels they had yeah. there and this was when I read one day and so this was a while ago um maybe think 2011 I read it so oh, wow. it's been a while um 
oh, but I love this book. I'm going to hop into it. Art. It's a very different art style. Like if you, if you look at it, it's got this weird like realism, but still feels like early 2000s art. Right. Um, I'm going to give the art a six. It's not my favorite. It has some moments where I really like it, but I, I think there's other art styles I definitely like more. Um, like I said, I think that reading the Green Lantern not too long ago made me a little bit of a snob on the art now. <laughs> uh, action. Oh, dude, there's so much action. I'm going to give the action a 10. Just zombie just zombie Avengers fighting is awesome. But then adding in all of just the Army of Darkness flair to that action makes it even better. Right. Um, story. The story is great. They do it in such a – like they just – it flows so well. And they do a great job of like, again, keeping the characters true to who they would be. Like Doom is really playing as Doom would. Um, he does outsmart them in a way, but it's just how can you can't really outsmart every hero, especially when they're undead. Um, and it just does a great job. The story is very well told, like the, the swerve with Reed Richards, the swerve with Scarlet Witch. Well, again, but it all makes sense, even though it's wacky and wild in that evil dead way. It they still find a way to tie it all together. Um, I'm gonna give the story an eight. I think right. I didn't give it a score yet. That's no. Yep, eight. Um, dialogue again. The dialogue is killer. Every character sounds like them. Ash sounds like Ash, and the lines like of him, like his quick little quips back and forth, and the the <laughs> the Hulk toilet paper line, and the, <laughs> just everything is just. It's so well done. Even Beast talks like Beast. Doom talks like Doom. Um, and there's a lot of dialogue. It, there's a lot of scientific dialogue. It's not boring. It's fun to read. And usually when you have a ton of that kind of talk, like it, you get lost a little bit. Right. It's fun. I'm going to give the dialogue an 8. Rereadability is easy. It, it's a 10. Again, this is my second time actually reading this. It's, and it's been a long time. But I now I've now that I've read issue five, I want to go back and reread issue one through four again, um, which makes me actually just want to read the Marvel zombie stories all over again as well. You know, this is your second like zombies book. Yeah, um, I think they're great stories, and they're 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 very dark. Um, I, like zombie zombie anything like fascinates me. Like zombies in video games, yeah. zombies in literature, movies, and like. Obviously, comic books, um, which kind of goes hand in hand with literature, yeah. but um, and then you cross it over with superheroes. I think it's really cool. Um, and they I, do a good job. Of, like it could be so campy and gimmicky and easy to do. They do a really good job at making it exciting and having an original story and doing something like I think The Walking Dead did, where it was like the zombies were just flavor and not oh, it's a zombie story. Right, like early Walking Dead, they were a flavor to the story, and it was it was more about people and survivors. They do a good job at like the it's just a flavor to this superhero story that's going to be really well told, and and they're fun. And again, it's 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 still Marvel. It's still so true to the source, but has this new like take and twist on it, and it's uh, I love it. Yeah, no, they're fantastic books. And Army of Darkness is just one of my favorite franchises, like the Evil Dead franchise. Because Bruce Campbell is just a gem, and it feels like he had a I, – I actually don't know if he did. It feels like he had a hand in writing all of Ash's dialogue in this. So. It's very possible. Um, yeah, 42 out of 50 for this one. That's two 
books you hit today, 42 out of 50. And that's, uh-huh. those are typically our highly recommended books. Yeah. Um. So if you go, want to go check them out, go check them out. And I think like this was more, I guess the Masters of the Universe is more in my realm because I'm a nostalgia person. Yeah. And this is kind of nostalgia, but this is definitely like not a typical book that I would be like, oh, wow. this is more of like a, a Gullo style book or something that. Oh, I'm sure he'd love it. Um, I mean, he, he just made a book that was supposed to be serious sound absolutely incredible. <laughs> so and I'm actually very excited for this one because this is his comedy books, essentially. Watch, we're not even going to laugh. <laughs> All right, Chris, you're up, buddy. All right, well, I <laughs> saved the weirdest for last, guys. Uh, this is actually the sixth issue in the Ren and Stimpy Show uh, series in 1993, the comic book series on it, um, capitalizing on that popularity of the show. And then this issue uh, actually features Spider-Man. And I know you were doing this. <laughs> the cover's pretty cool. It's it's it says Amazing Spider-Man versus Powder Toast Man <laughs> because no one demanded it. And then it's and then it's got Red and Stimpy in like their own Superman outfits or superhero outfits. Oh my so, lord! And and Marvel put this out uh, to this the Marvel so Marvel put out the whole Red and Stimpy comic series. Oh really? Yeah. So yeah, ninety three. So uh, we start off with. Uh, you know, uh, Ren and Stimpy uh, are really excited, and, 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 Stimpy, and Stimpy's like, uh, you know what it's time for? It's time for breakfast and powdered toast. And they go to empty the powdered toast-like container, uh, and there's nothing there. Like, nothing's oh. coming out, and, and they're, like, distraught. And and uh, <laughs> and they're, like, they're, they get, like, a radio thing in their room, and they're, like, calling powdered toast man, calling powdered toast man. And then there's just this magical thing, and then, a sound effect called zwoosh <laughs> pops oh, you up. Have your sound effects. And it's Spider-Man. <laughs> and he's like, hey, guys, Powder Toast Man's in mind control by an evil genius. I'm just filling in. What's happening? <laughs> so Spider-Man is there, and what he does for Ren and Stimpy is he puts his web. He's like, oh, this is the 102nd thing I can do with my web fluid. And he, and he sprays their web on their toast. And it makes it look like blue, like Spider-Man webs on their toast. And, and like, I guess breakfast. <laughs> and then apparently Spider-Man was wearing an extra pair of Powder Toast Man's blast shorts. And you see the sound effect of whoop. And he's getting a distress signal. <laughs> so he goes. He goes to he goes to jump out the window and he has that typical Ren and Stimpy jump. You know, every time they go to jump and they put their arms behind their back. Yes. Yeah. So he goes. I really wish I was in person for you guys to see how ridiculous this was. <laughs> so he goes to jump out the window there, and and uh, you know, Ren and Stimpy, uh, they're like, "Oh, this is this is delicious. This toast is amazing," and they're chomping down or whatever else and that, and. Uh, then they throw it up and they eat it again. Just gross, red and sippiness. Oh. <laughs> um, so then you find Spider-Man. He goes into uh, the headquarters for Powder Toast Man. And this guy says, hell yeah, Powder Toast Man. Uh, he's being controlled by his arch enemy, the evil genius, Dr. Donut. <laughs> 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 Dr. 
and Dr. Donut is literally like this creepy guy, donut face looking guy with big gums, big teeth, a big tongue, and these weird hairs coming out of his face. So Spider-Man looks out the window and he sees Powder Toast Man is just destroying the town. And he's saying, and, and, and Dr. Donut goes, they go, it's, now he will become part of a complete break that instead of breakfast. Oh, oh my. <laughs> By the way, a lot of puns in here. The, the, the guy at the newspaper, too, he says, he says he's now become a real serial offender. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I appreciate this. I'm probably missing puns, but there's, there, there, there's so many puns. So you can see Potter Toast Man, he's being controlled, but he's trying to break the mind control, but he can't do it. And Spider-Man is like intimidated. He's like, oh man, I can't, I don't think I can stop Potter Toast Man. He's, his strength is well beyond uh, of my abilities. Like maybe I'll team with Venom and together we can defeat him. Or maybe I can get that Spidey armor. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, team up with Venom, wear some spider armor. And then you could package the whole thing with a glow-in-the-dark hologram cover. And he goes, geez, where's my head today? <laughs> That's incredible. I love this book. Oh, so he, he finally jumps in front of Powder Toast Man. And here we go with another pun. He goes, hold it right there, tall, dark, and crusty. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, and then Dr. Donut says, I'll just increase Powder Toast Man's Toastosterone levels. <laughs> that one, that one hurt a little bit. <laughs> that one hurt a little bit. <laughs> so, so then they're battling back and forth here, and Powder Toastman's ability basically is he, he like, I don't know what you could say. It's a smell or something comes out of his armpits, and then Spider-Man punched him in the head, and then he barfed. What he what it was called is raisin punch, which looks like raisin bread. <laughs> Spider Man, Spider Man's then trying to just duck slices of toast everywhere, and then uh, he goes, "This is great." He goes, "Oh, right there in the bread basket, you come out nuts and kicks him like almost or hits him right almost in the nuts." And then see what I just, normally I don't say this much dialogue, but the puns are so ridiculous. Like well, he no, says, it's like, good. hey, Potter Toast Man, look like all you needed was kneading. <laughs> this <sighs> this is like the perfect Spider-Man crossover book. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so this might be better than Spider-Man and Superman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. so, I'll go out on a limb and say so, that. So Spider-Man says that's the way the toasty crumbles. <laughs> and... and and then he says, any last words before you go, ready, bye. Did <laughs> you not? So he's, he's got him down, and then Powder Toast Man hits his nose and create and catches Spider-Man in a snot bubble. Real thing. That happened. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, so then now, like, it's so weird. Like now, Spider Man is in, and you know, he's stuck in this snot bubble. And then he's trying to think of how he would get out of it. And he's listening to like advice. What would Aunt May tell him? What would Mary Jane tell him? What would Mr. Sheckley tell him? What would Stan, my bowling partner, which is Stan Lee, tell him? 
Oh, would, rest in peace. What would Willie, his masseuse, tell him? What would Otto Flippa, the Incan god of ties, tell him? What would Peppa Hens and Rita, who are like these bears, what, what would they tell him? What would their kids tell him? What would Mr. Dinkle tell him? I don't even know who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> but they're inspiring Spider-Man to break free from the snot bubble. And then he sees that there's a milk truck. So he goes, hey, Doughboy. And he's like, hmm. And he sprays milk all over Powdered Toast Man. Milkamania. And- <laughs> What's up? I said Milkamania. Milkamania, oh, yeah. And, and like Powdered Toast Man yells, no, can't stay crunchy in milk. <laughs> so Spider-Man's got him down, but then Dr. Donut hits him in the back with a pipe. You get the clong uh, thing. <laughs> and uh, so now, you know, Dr. Donut, he keeps trying to, and he's smashing Spider-Man with this pipe, just smashing him and smashing him. Well, you see, uh, um, the bread toast man, he's starting to come to consciousness, and he and he gets a package of powdered toast. He eats it just like Popeye and <laughs> gets his powder back, and he's like, powder toast man! And, and then he starts... Uh, He's like, don't worry, Spider-Man, leave everything to me. And he just punches Dr. Donut in the face and then throws Dr. Donut in the sky, and then Spider-Man catches him with the web. And and, and then they have him all captured. Uh, see, how oh, stupid screen went off on me. Hold on. So, yeah, so they have him all captured. <clears throat> and then uh, you see Ren, Ren and Stippy show up, and they're just really excited. They goes, hey, maybe you guys should form a team. And Spider-Man's like, no, Powder Toastman's just not in my class. And, and you know, Powder Toast Man hold it right there. I was being mind controlled. I could have kicked you in a real fight. And Spider Man goes, Yeah, right. And then Powder Toast Man actually punches Spider Man through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, and then, so it says the end, and they just had two little short comics, which this is great, which I have to show you guys in person. It's. Spider-Man talking to Ren and Stimpy, and um, and and Ren, Ren's Ren's the 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 whatever the cat or the dog whatever he is, right? He's a chihuahua. The chihuahua, yeah. Sorry, I just want to make sure. Right? Ren's dressed like the Punisher, and Stimpy's dressed like Wolverine. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Oh no. And it's just like they're like, "What's well, we're in the long johns," and he's just like making fun of their, their superhero outfits. And then there's another. Uh, uh, oh, and then they're like, they they're showing him his superpowers, and basically Stimpy uh, gives out fur balls, and and Ren has something called the pupillator, where his looks can keel, and he actually like has some power out of his eyes. Really weird. And then there's one <laughs> other short comic where where uh, Stimpy's hosting like a quiz show, and he's like, who's the strongest between Spider-Man and Powder Toast Man? And basically, all Snippy checks is, is how smelly their armpits are, and he says Spider-Man's <laughs> at the smelliest. <laughs> and then that's it. That's great. It was very weird. I didn't expect to even pick this book. I wanted to do something really weird. Originally, like I said, the plan was Charles Barkley and Godzilla, but I'm really glad I picked this one up. <laughs> oh, that's good. I think you, it was a very suitable replacement. We'll 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 find you Charles Barkley and Godzilla. We'll get that done one of these days. 
So I'll get right into it here. Um, uh, the the artwork, uh, it, it's a Red and Stippy cartoon. The, it, it's that exact artwork. It, there's no other way to describe it. It would, um, it literally looked like you would see on Nickelodeon 1993. Right. It's very cool. It could have its cheesy moments. I'll give that. I'll give it an eight. Eight for um, art. Okay. The action. <laughs> It's not a conventional fight. Uh, there's no green news. But I don't know. I mean, I'll give it a seven. Okay. Fair enough. It, 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 I, I really don't know where to, how to rate this seriously. Um, storytelling? I'm going to give yes. that a ten. It told a story. Very good. It told, I mean, it did tell a great story. It told a funny story. Uh, I mean, as cheesy as it was, uh, you actually like could actually think Powder Toast Man was a legit superhero. <laughs> so, and like you feel for him, like being mind controlled by Doctor Donut. Uh, so, and, and and by the way, like Doctor Donut is not the most ridiculous villain Spider Man's ever fought. So, that, yeah, probably true. not. No, no, probably not. Doctor Donut's better than the the boomerang or the kangaroo. Or the guy named Joe. <laughs> the guy named Joe. Um, so, uh, dialogue, it's once again, very Ren and Stimpy-ish, but you can absolutely understand it and it's hilarious. And the puns are ridiculous. 10 for the puns alone. <laughs> Fantastic. And rereadability. I would pick this up again. I would show somebody this. It's hilarious. I'm like, Hey, did you ever know Spider-Man was on Ren and Stimpy? And you know, this is a weird time for Spider-Man. If you, 1993, um, I think he did didn't get the animated series yet. I can't remember. Obviously, it was, he was just around this time. I think. Yeah, it started like ninety three or ninety four. I yeah. want to say. It's um, still, hope seventies, eighties Spider Man feel. You know what I mean? Right. It's not right. like serious nineties, like Venom, Punisher, like all this. Yeah. yeah. This really is like cool. Sunday morning cartoons. Sunday morning cartoons. Meme Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. This is very hokey. Yes. Me, yes, meme Spider-Man, absolutely. Uh, so, but with that being said, it's so cool. It's an interesting read. It's one book. Um, I, I would give it a ten for that. All right, fantastic, Golo, getting two forty-five out of fifties today. Greg oh, and Golo yeah. got split scores. Nice. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, forty-five out of fifty. That's phenomenal. Good pickup, dude. Uh, good pick up all of you guys. Yeah. Today was a fun episode. I'm glad Chris came up with it. I was a little nervous because like a lot of these were last minute for all of us. Where it was like, oh man, there's not there's not as many good crossovers as we thought. And then we were like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. Well, I couldn't find my top four choices. And then I didn't even five six were great. Yeah. Like I, and honestly, we didn't even scratch the surface because IDW alone, I just like looked at some of the stuff and I was like Transformers and G.I. Joe or like oh yeah. Like Star I, Trek I and Green Lantern, which I forgot about, but but IDW alone has a ton of crossovers that I didn't even look at. There's a bunch of Looney Tunes and DC ones too from years ago. And this year there's Spider-Man four came out. Did a bunch. Yeah. yeah. So all the villains came out this year. So and I legit read that Muhammad Ali Superman book an hour before he we went on air. <laughs> Swear to God, that we did. So we did good. We did good. And I'm proud of us. Me too. Uh, 
We're so good. Um, we're so good. We're so good. That's all I got to say. We're the greatest. We are the greatest. People just don't know it yet. <laughs> Buffalo's best kept secret. Um, we do we have a theme for the world's greatest? I will play that. I will actually play that to close the show today. <laughs> I, I will swear to God, well, uh, that'll be the our closing out song. <laughs> I won't have the song that our good friend Kevin Bennett worked hard for us. That'll bring us in to the show. But, but going out, world's greatest. That's, how, that's what's happening. Um, do we have a theme for next week? I think we do. Is is next week Aquaman? I yeah, think so. Aquaman and then Christmas. That's right. Okay. So if you're listening on Monday, there should be our giveaway posted by then. Yes. With a gift card for two tickets to see Aquaman at the Regal. You better use it for Aquaman. Yeah, if you use it for anything else, I'll find you. Allowed, yeah, we'll find you. And then also a Aquaman pop vinyl that I have yet to pick up from the store, but by by now I'll have it. I have money this week, so I'm gonna go buy. <laughs> I'm gonna go buy. I'm gonna go buy uh, your gift cards today. Um, so they'll already not have today, been bought. You, you're right. I forgot. In the past. We, yeah, in the past, this is past tense. Yeah, I already bought your gift cards and yeah. stuff. Yeah, past tense. But uh, <laughs> all right. You sure I'm the only one that's been up for 18 hours straight? It certainly doesn't. <laughs> it certainly seems that way. Um, we do a theme for Christmas too. I can't remember. We are doing we have a, a Christmas episode after Christmas. The week after, yeah, I think we agreed to a fourth one too, and I can't remember what that was. Well, I don't know. I thought we were just going back to normal. <sighs> I don't because might be New Year's Eve, so I, I can't remember what we did or we agreed to for that one. We'll think, yeah, we'll think of something. So, yeah, probably maybe start with the new year. We'll go back to normal uh, until Captain Marvel. Because originally Hellboy was coming out right after the new year, but it's not anymore. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we got a lot of stuff planned for you listeners at home. It's going to be a fun time. We appreciate your support. Um, every week that you tune into the, the, the panel discussion, if you don't have, if you don't like us yet on Facebook, um, or on Instagram, find us. And if you uh, don't like us, we don't like you. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> that's what I got to say. We'll find you. Uh, like we said, we'll find you if you don't spend the gift card on Aquaman tickets. So, um, all right. You guys have anything you want to say before we close the show? Nope. Uh, no, Thanks. just really excited about Elseworlds for uh, yeah. coming on. Uh, you know, uh, really pumped about that, especially to see like 90s Flash. And looks like they're using the Smallville universe, too, which I'm pretty pumped yeah. That yeah, that should be good. Um, and yeah, like I know we missed it in the news before. We didn't say it before, but the Captain Marvel trailer uh, came out. Uh, not a whole. It was really cool. Not a whole lot of revealing stuff, but uh, super. The scrolls look really, really good. Um, I think one thing that was revealed by the trailer I didn't mention earlier. I forgot to is uh, Jude Law definitely doesn't look like Captain Marvel. I think you can almost confirm he's he's not Captain Marvel. Yeah, like he's not Marvel. I don't know what they're gonna do with that. They there's so there was a pop vinyl. I can't remember who it was, but he was really it was released, um, and it had a name, and I can't remember what character it is off the top of my head, but it was a villain from the Marvel series. So it definitely Marvel wasn't series, him. So. Okay, so that might be Jude Law, but it, it there was no face. It was wearing the helmet, but who knows? Too interesting. interesting. Well, what if he what if he says he's Marvel, but really he's a scroll? <gasps> That's a so possibility too. There was a. There's a Kree yeah. villain they they released like a, a pop vinyl of in that that typical that green outfit. So interesting. Can't think who it was. Oh, we got some exciting stuff coming up. Hopefully, 
Hopefully, I know we've been on Avengers 4 trailer to watch for at least the last month now. So hopefully that comes out soon. But um, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And we will talk to you next week right here. And I'm that little bit of hope when my back's against the ropes. I can feel it. I'm the world's greatest.